longtime friend of the show, Dr. Brent Bowles, joins us today to debunk and destroy three of the most deceptive talking points and lies of pro-abortion advocates. These three lies have been so successfully weaved into the minds of the American public that even men, many self-identifying pro-lifers believe them. The only problem is that each one of these is built on a throne of lies and falsehoods. So today, buckle up as Dr. Bowles and I dive into the first of many conversations on the lies of the left and equip you to be a pro-life ninja. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, we have a very special guest for you today, as I mentioned. And before I introduce him, I just want to encourage you to go and give this show a rating and review. Uh, as you know, we are increasingly in a digital age, and that increased tenfold during the COVID-19 shutdowns. And it's very important for pro-life individuals who defend true human equality and speak up for the rights of our unborn neighbors to be articulating those ideas and putting that information out into the public square, which is today the digital marketplace. And so go ahead give us a rating and review, give us five stars, let us know what you think. It actually helps us reach more people. So when people listen to any type of related content, this podcast and show will show up in the platforms that they consume content. So go ahead and do that for us. It really helps us a lot. So we have a special uh, sort of gift for you today. My friend, Dr. Brent Bowles, who has been uh, practicing medicine for 28 years and ran his own OBGYN practice in Nashville, Tennessee until very recently, is going to join, join us today to talk about three different lies. And there's some of the the most, I guess, foundational lies um, that the entire abortion behemoth builds its structure on top of. And they have been so successful in weaving these types of lies into the minds of the American public that some of these lies that we go through today, you're going to be like, hey, uh, my uncle who says he identifies as pro-life says that. And we heard some of these lies parroted by sort of woke evangelical pastors, right, leading up to the election. People who say they're not pro-life their whole life, and so they're going to vote for Democrats. And other different lies and reasons that they'll get into to actually uh, defend uh, growing the regime of the abortion industry and its, uh, and its political serviles in the Democratic Party. So we're going to bring in Dr. Brent Bowles today, who joins us from Florida, to debunk these. Buckle up, you're in for a real treat. Dr. Brent Bowles, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Seth. It's good to be here with you today. I know, absolutely. We, we, uh, we, this is going to be one of many conversations, I'm sure. Uh, I think that you're a little bit of a, a hidden treasure. Not enough people know about you, the warrior you are, how knowledgeable you are, uh, and really uh, exercising and practicing truly uh, pro-life medicine <laughs> and uh, in defending the rights of all patients uh, to be cared for, to be protected, and to be loved. So uh, we're going to get into a lot today. But firstly, I want to jump into this lie that we'll probably spend most of our time on because we hear this one the most. And that is this, that abortion is safer than childbirth. And so you'll hear even some pro-life individuals say that while they don't like abortion, uh, they say we should support it because sometimes in high-risk pregnancies, um, abortion is actually less dangerous than childbirth and pregnancy itself. And you'll even hear sometimes people say, uh, oh, did you see the study that abortion is actually 14 times safer uh, than childbirth? And I'm sure we'll get into to some of that. But, you know, Cecile Richards, one of the former presidents of Planned Parenthood, uh, she once said that before Roe versus Wade, healthy women routinely died in emergency rooms across the country because of botched abortions. And then when Leanna Wen became president of Planned Parenthood after Cecile Richards, before Planned Parenthood quickly aborted her, she said on March 6, 2019, thousands of women died every year pre-Roe. And the Washington Post gave her four Pinocchios for that lie. <laughs> Certainly probably the most, um, the greatest uh, publication enemy of the pro-life movement uh, labeled that a, a ridiculous lie. So, so Dr. Brett, how could pro-choicers argue that abortion is safer than childbirth? Help, help us make sense of this ridiculous claim. <clears throat> well... That answer spans over several decades. Um, when, when they were in the lead up to Roe versus Wade, when Roe was going to be argued before the Supreme Court and then decided in 1973, a group of pro-abortion doctors and other activists, mostly in New York, created this narrative that said that thousands of women were dying every year from illegal abortions. Um, 
that the so-called back alley abortion was uh, was killing women right and left every day all over the country, right. and that thousands of women were dying as a result. They they created they wanted to create sympathy, so they needed right. a victim group, and in this case, they created a false victim group. Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was one of the people involved in creating that narrative, who himself admitted that he probably did more than 70,000 abortions um, in the 1980s when ultrasound became widely available and he could actually see what he was doing. Uh, He stopped doing abortions, uh, became a devout Catholic, and spent the rest of his life trying to atone for what he had done. And in his book, a book that he published, um, he admitted that, that that statistic was a complete work of fiction, that they all knew that it was not true. So right. where, what do we know what do we know was happening? Well, in 1972, uh, the year before Roe versus Wade was decided, there were already 17 states uh, where abortion was legal. Um, The remainder, it was illegal, uh, but there were 17 states where abortion was legal, and the CDC was tracking abortion mortality. In fact, the Washington Post, uh, I like to call them the Washington Compost, but the Washington Post, in their story debunking Leanna Wynn, they said that the CDC had good, strong mortality statistics then. In 1972, according to the CDC, um, the number of deaths from illegal abortion in all 50 states was only 39. Only wow. 39 women in all 50 states. But interestingly, so, so much for thousands. <laughs> so much for thousands. But here's the other point that in the 17 states where abortion was legal in the year before Roe versus Wade, there were 24 women that died from legal abortion wow. before Roe. So if you look at 17 women in 24 states versus 39 women in 50 states and look at that as a death per state type statistic, right. there were twice as many women dying in the states where abortion was legal from legal <laughs> abortion as there were from illegal abortion all over the country. Right, right. Wait, so are you telling us that the left weaves myths in order to argue that abortion should remain accessible and legal? No. Well, when you can't win with the truth, you have to tell lies and attack your opponent, and that's that's the sum total of their argument in every case. That's right. So what, what um, data does the pro-abortion movement, the abortion industry, even point to to, to make this argument, uh, you know, on what do they build this case that abortion is actually um, safer than childbirth or that childbirth is more dangerous than abortion? Well, first you have to understand a little bit of statistics. Uh, there is a, an accurately tracked statistic in the United States called the maternal mortality rate. Okay. Maternal mortality is defined as any woman who dies from the time her pregnancy test is positive until six weeks after the pregnancy is over, uh, whether that's a delivery or a miscarriage or anything else. Um, And it is death from any cause. So all causes of death for a woman who is pregnant or has recently been pregnant are tracked. All 50 states report this information to the CDC and the CDC required to. They're required to, and they do. But there is no national requirement that requires all states by law to report abortion numbers. There are four states that report no abortion statistics whatsoever, none. Uh, And one of those is California. Uh, They report nothing to the CDC uh, about abortion. And um, as you know, California is one of the most prolific states for abortion. So, So the numbers of deaths cannot be considered to be accurate because four states report nothing, not even mortalities. And then when you look at the rest of the states, only 27 or 28 report any kind of complication at all. Wow. There are more than 20 states that don't report, they'll report some abortion statistics, such as how many were done, 
what the ages of the women were, why they had them done, what their financial status was. Uh, but there are more than 20 states that do not report complications. So there is no comprehensive database upon mm -hmm. which we can rely that looks at complications, whether they're mild, moderate, or severe, or looks at deaths from abortion. So when you don't have complete information, how can you draw any conclusions whatsoever? Right. The CDC admits there was a, a doctor at the CDC that, um, let me look at her name so I won't be accused of just making it up. Uh, Dr. Julie Louise Gerberding, who wrote in 2004 that maternal mortality rates and abortion mortality rates are, quote, are conceptually different and are used by the CDC for different public health purposes, unquote. Mm. Okay. So the CDC acknowledges that the abortion data for America across the board is, is completely different than right. the data for mortality statistics from right. childbirth. Okay. okay, so that's helpful. It's because the abortion industry claims, Dr. Brent, that um, maternal mortality rates increase when abortion access is limited or made illegal. Right? So, so they argue that keeping abortion legal and accessible, that's actually going to decrease pregnancy-related deaths and therefore save lives. So can you, can you help explain for all of us why this is wrong and, and the conflation that happens between maternal mortality and abortion mortality? Well, they are drawing that, they are making that statement that maternal mortality, that pregnancy-related deaths will increase if abortion's made illegal. They're, they're making that statement based on their inaccurate and false conclusion that abortion is safer than childbirth. If you want to be able to say that and look objectively at the data, there's only one way to do it, and that's to take death certificates and link them to any intervention for pregnancy, whether it's pregnancy care, a delivery, an abortion, care for a miscarriage, right. medical care provided for an ectopic. You have to look at death certificates and link them to any kind of pregnancy care and then sort mm. out whether or not there was an abortion or there was a pregnancy-related mortality right. or there was a delivery-related complication. Yeah. If you don't do that, you're not comparing apples to oranges. You're not even comparing right. apples to watermelons. I mean, it's not, you're not talking about the same things. And that's why the, the CDC said, we use these two statistics for different public health purposes. So you can't link wow. those together. And yeah. the only study they have was a study produced by doctors Raymond and Grimes that was um, came out, I don't remember what year, uh, maybe 2000, 2012. Yeah, 2012. And they concluded that a delivery is 14 times more likely to result in a maternal death than an abortion. Right. Um, but they, they didn't, they had, they had accurate maternal mortality statistics. They did not have accurate abortion statistics. The hmm. two statistics they used were not determined the same way, and they didn't link death certificates across the board. Wow. Okay. And yeah, because that, when I've heard people make that claim, that's the only um, study that made, that made such a claim. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Wow. That now, no one was um, able to duplicate their numbers. Uh, in any way that was respectable enough to be published. And okay. interestingly, the journal that produced their paper was contacted by a researcher who wanted to have them publish a rebuttal. Uh, Dr. Reardon, I believe, was his name. And okay. the, the journal that published the Raymond Grimes paper refused to publish his rebuttal. And he, wow. he brought up the points that I've raised with you. Uh, and he was able to get his rebuttal published somewhere else. Uh, wow. The, the journal of the... Um, so you're saying that the journal that published the study that claimed that abortion was 14 times safer than childbirth refused to publish a paper by uh, David Reardon uh, going through the inaccuracies of that study? Yes. Wow, it was a journal unreal. published by the American College of OBGYN, which, of course, is <laughs> notoriously pro-abortion in every circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, they were not objective. 
Well, yeah, well, that's, that's irony if there, if there ever was any. Now, I mean, for our listeners, so like from a purely common sense standpoint, like someone should be able to acknowledge that obviously uh, abortion is going to be more dangerous for the mother than, than pregnancy. Uh, now, of course, we're just not even talking about the fact that, of course, it's never safe because it kills a human being. But even if you were to, to set aside the unborn child, just from a common sense perspective, forcibly dilating the cervix to either suction out a baby or to chop it up and hopefully not leave floating dead baby body parts in the uterus, that, that should just be self-evident that that's more dangerous than childbirth because childbirth is natural and abortion is not natural. Um, but, I mean, self-evident arguments to the left, unfortunately, usually um, don't stand the test of time. But you have mentioned to me before other countries in Europe that have linked death certificates to the treatments for pregnancy. So did you want to talk about that a little bit as just sort of a case example illustrating the, just the falsehood of this claim that abortion is safer than childbirth? Absolutely. Um, you know, the healthcare is delivered differently in most countries in Europe than it is here. And for all the disadvantages that go along with a centralized system of healthcare provision like that, one of the advantages is they have a centralized database of statistics. Um, so researchers in Finland and in other countries in Europe have been able to link death certificates with any intervention during pregnancy. And there okay. are at least six studies, six published papers uh, and they all agree, they all agree, abortion is more likely to result in a mortality for the woman than delivery. In fact, uh, the best paper in that group says that you are four times more likely to die from an abortion than you are from wow. delivering a child. And those wow. are statistics calculated by linking the death certificates to any intervention during pregnancy, whether it's a delivery, care for prenatal care, uh, care for a complicated pregnancy, right. or someone who has an elective abortion. So it looks at the death certificates and pulls that data and links it. So when you do the study the right way, when you analyze the, the data in the correct manner, right. it's clear. It, it confirms what you and I have as a common sense perception that the right, things right. you have to do to abort a baby are not safe. Definitely right. not safe for the baby. And they're also not safe for the mother. Not, to, not just the risk of, of mortality, but the risks of damage to the cervix contributing to preterm labor. You know, women who've had two or more abortions are far more likely to deliver an extremely right. premature baby in a future pregnancy. And prematurity is an extreme cause of morbidity and mortality in newborns. Right. So there's there's so many public health things that these, these blanket statements they throw out, abortion's 14 times safer than childbirth, and taking a medication abortion pill is safer than Tylenol, and all right. the medical studies show it. It's simply not true, and it's not yeah. defensible. Yeah, yeah, wonderful, awesome. Thank you for that clarity, Dr. Brent. So you guys, check out more of Dr. Brent Bowles, uh, incredibly important voice, and, uh, and we've gone through all of the stats, we've gone through all of the data, and it's very clear that abortion is not safer than childbirth, um, certainly not for surgical abortions, not safe for the child it kills, but also not safe for the mother. Um, whose life is endangered and is threatened in many ways as well. We're going to move to another portion of this first lie that I want to go through about abortion being safer than childbirth, and that is about the abortion pill being safer than childbirth, or the abortion pill being safer at large. But before we get to that, uh, I want to hear from you guys. And so we're going to begin creating more episodes on this show soon, uh, but there's always so much more to get to. And so if you have any questions for me for this podcast that you'd like to hear covered or any issues that I haven't covered so far that you'd like to hear covered, then please Email me your questions at unaborted at sethgruber.com. That's unaborted at sethgruber.com. And we want to interact with you. We want to answer your questions and continue to equip you guys to stand for life. So thank you for tuning in. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show, guys. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. Brent Bowles today, a practicing physician for over 28 years who just uh, recently moved into a, a new calling that God has called him to, but has been delivering babies, saving them, and being a pro-life advocate for many, many decades. And we're talking about some of these massive abortion lies you hear and assumptions in the abortion industry that are just built on a throne of lies and falsehoods, false data, and uh, suspect studies. And so there's almost no one better to go through all of those minute details so that you're aware of them 
and you know how to respond to them when people make these types of claims. So there's a second portion of this first lie, Dr. Brent, about the uh, abortions being safe. And that is the new push of the abortion industry to get sort of what's always been their pipe dream, right? Which is abortion pills uh, and increasingly telemedicine abortion pills shipped all around the country to the mailboxes of young women, uh, eliminating the need for in-person evaluations. And so, as you know, Cecile Richards actually wrote this opinion editorial in the LA Times uh, in June of 2018. And uh, I covered it uh, over a year ago. And she actually said, medication abortion is safe by all measures, safer even than Tylenol. <laughs> now, mifepristone, um, which is uh, part of the regimen for the abortion pill, was approved in September of 2000 with prescribing restrictions because the FDA felt that restrictions were necessary to ensure safe use of this product, which again is just hilarious, it kills a baby, but whatever, safe use of this product. These restrictions included a requirement that Danko Laboratories, a manufacturer, report all serious adverse events, or what are called AEs, to the FDA. So the abortion industry, Dr. Brent, claims that very little AEs or adverse events are happening, and therefore we can rest assured that the abortion pill is very safe. Uh, safer even than Tylenol, as Cecile Richards would say. So can you explain why the adverse events related to the abortion pill are often not reported um, and why the abortion pill is actually much more dangerous for women than the industry is claiming? Well, because the statistics, the information that's available depends upon the abortion industry to self-report, to <laughs> acknowledge the problems they have. You know, that's like asking the embezzler to file an accurate accounting report. Uh, it's just <laughs> it's not going to happen, not by right. any stretch of the imagination. Um, the FDA, the, your listeners need to understand what the, what the FDA has felt the risk was with the abortion pill. It was first approved in 2000, and there were restrictions placed upon it because it was very important that, you know, for, for the next few minutes, let's just do something that pro-lifers have a hard time doing, and that's forget about the baby. Let, let's just only talk right. about the woman's safety issues, uh, because that's what the, the industry is arguing for here, uh, is right. that they're safe for women. So, so let's just concentrate on that for a few minutes. From the initial approval, the FDA put several restrictions on the prescribing of Mifeprex, uh, the abortion oh. pill. Um, then they instituted upon it what's called a RIMS or a risk evaluation and mitigation strategy. So I didn't really know what that was. So I decided to look it up and figure out well, what, exactly what does that mean and how many drugs in the United States are considered sufficiently dangerous to warrant a RIMS imposition okay. upon them. There are over 20,000 pharmaceutical products, prescription products that are available in the United States, name brand and generic, over 20,000. Wow. Only 57 of them currently have a RIMS restriction wow. upon their use. Only 57 out of over 20,000. And right. one of those is Mifeprex. Because if you use it in a pregnancy that's farther along, then the, the recommendation, the patient is much more likely to have an incomplete process to develop an infection, to have hemorrhage that requires a blood transfusion or further surgery. Um, and women have died from those kinds of complications. Yeah. And if the person is not evaluated in person by physical exam or ultrasound to confirm that the pregnancy is not an ectopic, which an ectopic pregnancy is one that develops in the fallopian tube or outside of the uterus in the abdomen uh, rather than inside the uterus. If a woman has an ectopic pregnancy and is given Mifeprex, then when she gets the early warning signs that her ectopic is about to cause problems, she calls the abortion provider and she's told, oh honey, that cramping's normal, that pain is normal, everybody goes through it, you'll get over it, and then they hang up on her. So as her pain increases and her tubal pregnancy gets closer to rupturing and causing her to bleed to death from the inside, she sits at home thinking, oh, well, they told me this is normal. Yeah. And so there, there's that danger. And if right. you look at the number of pregnancies that are ectopic, and right. I did this calculation once, if you look at the number of pregnancies that are ectopic, and you look at where the abortion industry wants to be 
with mail order abortions, right. you would have more. You would have six or more ectopic pregnancies per day rupturing in the United States for women who wow. were given abortion pills via the postal service wow. instead of getting them at an in-person evaluation. Six wow. a day. And wow. the abortion industry says, you know, it's when they talk about illegal abortions, one of their big advocates says, you know, even one death from illegal abortion is too many. That's why we right. can't go back to illegal abortions. Well, how about one death from a legal abortion being too many? Right, and right. they happen. Yeah. They happen. Yeah. Um, 24 women so have died taking the abortion pill since it hit the open market. <laughs> yes, they have. Well, 24 that we know of. Yeah, correct. So let's say, so, so maybe someone then says, Dr. Brent, maybe they say, okay, all right, fine. You know, I'll be a moderate pro-choicer. I'll grant that. Sure. We need to have the in-person evaluations just to rule out ectopic pregnancies and to diagnose the gestational age of the, they'll, they'll call it the pregnancy, but of the baby. Right. Um, but then they'll say, but assuming that it's actually very safe, as long as you can make sure the woman doesn't have an ectopic pregnancy. And as long as you can make sure it's taken between when she finds out she's pregnant and 10 weeks then it's totally safe, Dr. Bren. It's safer than, even than Tylenol. So what's wrong with that assertion, even given the um, in-person evaluation? Well, one of the requirements that the FDA imposed uh, when they approved this medication 21 years ago was that Danco, the manufacturer, and that any future manufacturer, because uh, there's no uh, available, um, that they report to the FDA any adverse events, even mild ones. Okay. Uh, but the manufacturer is dependent on two things. One, the manufacturer has to get a report from the abortion provider that there was a complication. Okay. How many abortion providers are compliant with that? We don't know. Because no state is allowed to go in and audit records or inspect clinics. Every time you try as a state legislature to impose accountability on the abortion industry, the ACLU and Planned Parenthood trotted out to a friendly judge in federal court and get it blocked. So wow. the, the abortion clinic, as far as information goes, is a great big black hole. We don't know what goes on inside, and we don't know how many are compliant with these reporting statistics. But then what I've also seen in, in many years of private practice is that more than, in my experience, more than half of the women who come back to their private OBGYN to yeah. seek care after an abortion are having a problem, and they never went back to their abortion provider because they had such wow. a, you know, they felt too creepy about going yeah. back. They didn't want to go back. They didn't have a good feeling. Um, or maybe they called the Planned Parenthood facility or the other non-Planned Parenthood abortion provider and the phone call on their phone calls, they were blown off. So wow. the women who get comp who have complications, they're not always going back to the abortion provider. So the abortion provider doesn't even know if he was going to report. Wow. He doesn't know that it happened because they never come wow. back to see him again. Right. And in fact, there was a study that was just released, a review of adverse events by the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs that Which showed- Which you're a member of, right? Yeah, I'm a member of that organization. Um, two thirds of the women who required surgery to treat complications from medication abortions had that surgery provided by a physician that was not an abortion provider. So that wow. means two thirds of the moderate and severe complications that happen that require surgery, the women aren't getting the care from the abortion provider who supposedly right. is an advocate for women. Right, so and then in that case, the abortion provider wouldn't have any of the data from the surgeries or complications that followed the use of the abortion pill to Correct. report to the FDA anyways, assuming that they are reporting it. So you're saying that, that there could be upwards of 66% of, uh, or so of women with complications following adverse effects, following use of the abortion pill or medication abortion that are completely not uh, included in the statistics to the FDA so that they can make sense of, of what, what kind of repercussions come from the medication abortion. Correct. They, with the, the numbers just, they're, they're so skewed in how they're reported. 
Many of those adverse events were not reported to Danco by the abortion provider. They were reported by the emergency room where the woman sought treatment or by the private gynecologist that provided the treatment. They're not, they weren't all reported by the abortion providers. So that's how we know about that large volume of patients who had to receive emergency care from a physician that was not their abortion provider. And that's another reason why states have tried to impose requirements that abortion providers have privileges at a hospital so that they can meet their patient at the hospital and take care of them themselves. But they don't want to do that. So they don't get privileges, so they they can't be called and bothered. A universal experience that emergency room physicians have, and I've had this confirmed to me by several emergency room doctors in different parts of the country, is that when a patient presents to the emergency room after having had an abortion, has a complication, you can't get that abortion provider on the phone to get any information about what they did, how the procedure went, whether there were problems during the procedure. You, you can't even get information, much less care and help. Wow. Abortion clinics are not advocates for women. They're advocates right. for abortion. Yep. Period. Yeah, and pro- profits over people is uh, nothing yes. new for the abortion industry or for those who believe that not all humans are persons. Um, I want to get to one other point on the abortion pill, Dr. Bowles, before we, we go to the next lie here. Um, and there, there's, been, there's been this uh, sort of renewed attack. I, I believe it comes from data several years ago, but you're hearing it a lot right now from the abortion rights movement and advocates, in large part, Dr. Brett, because of this push by the abortion industry to get rid of the in-person evaluations um, and to discredit um, pro-lifers who seek to reverse medication abortions um, for women who regret it, for women who want to uh, take the abortion reversal pill. And so, so you'll hear some people say, and, and for, the list, you, for you guys listening, I'm sure you've heard this before too, um, they'll say that the abortion reversal pill is actually dangerous um, and that if you really care for women's health, um, you, the woman actually needs to finish the abortion regimen, uh, mifepristone and misoprostol. She needs to go through both of those because uh, uh, disrupting that sequence and that regimen with the abortion reversal pill is actually going to be more dangerous. And, and, I, and this is based off of um, a study that we've talked about before by Mitchell Creenan. Can you talk a little bit about, um, about that, about the, firstly, the great news that we can reverse medication abortions um, if you're at least less than halfway through and save this baby, um, but also how this study is completely fake and false. This, this, the, the, their claim that the re- reversal pill is more dangerous than the abortion pill itself for the woman taking it. Yes. Your, your listeners need to understand how medication abortion works. There's a hormone produced by the first by the ovary and then by the placenta that is vital to the success of a pregnancy, and you've heard of it. It's called progesterone. Um, Mifeprex is a progesterone blocker, so that when a woman takes a pill of Mifeprex to begin a medication abortion, her body then uh, behaves as if there is no progesterone in her system temporarily. And what that does is it disrupts the placenta, deprives the baby of fluid and oxygen and nutrition, so that the baby becomes, uh, is, is harmed and usually dies. And then a second pill is given two to three days later that causes the uterus to cramp as if they are in labor to expel the the baby and the tissue that's associated with the pregnancy. In the toilet. In the toilet or wherever else they are. um, And they're commonly told, oh, it'll be like a heavy period. But women who've done it say it was nothing like that. You know, watch the movie Unplanned if you haven't watched right. that yet. The story of Abby Johnson. Um, it, it's, that's an accurate depiction of what happens. So anyway, um, back in 2007 or 8, uh, one doctor on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, both simultaneously began thinking about how, how do you help someone who's started a medication abortion and changed their mind? And when you look at the pharmacology of it and realize that it's just blocking progesterone, that's all the Mifeprex does. The Mifeprex is not poisonous or harmful in any other way. It just blocks the progesterone. Then you want to give her extra progesterone to compete with the progesterone blocker. Um, It's like having, you know, 
11 players on the field for one football team, the other side's more likely to win if you put 50 players on the field. So if you look at Mythoprex as the team with 11, you flood the other team with extra progesterone, you bump up the numbers, more than two-thirds of the time you will be successful in reversing the effect of medication abortion. And there are multiple sets of analysis of data that show that uh, using literally hundreds and hundreds of patients. Um, So Dr. Creenan, you mentioned him, he's an abortion provider, uh, attempted to design a study that would, he wanted to prove that efforts to reverse medication abortion were not effective and that they were not safe. And okay. his study did neither of the, it achieved <laughs> neither of those goals. Um, and I really believe that's why they stopped the study early. Right. They claim that they stopped the study early because too many women were having to go to the emergency room for bleeding. But the only women in their study who went to the emergency room for bleeding and had to get blood or surgery or both were the women in the study who took the Mifeprex but did not get progesterone. Before they stopped the study, every woman in the study who got progesterone as part of the study, uh, more than 80% of them it was successful and they still had living babies and no wow. bleeding. Wait, wait, uh, so, so just to pause so our listeners understand what you're saying, you're saying the one, basically the only study that used to try to discredit the abortion reversal pill, which saves babies, stopped early because too, too many women had to go to the hospital because they were bleeding or hemorrhaging, but the very women who got the most harmed were the ones who didn't take the progesterone, didn't take the abortion reversal pill. Yes, they, they split <laughs> okay. their patients. Half of them took Mifeprex and okay. a placebo. Half of them took Mifeprex and progesterone. The only women who required surgery or who had so much bleeding they needed a blood transfusion were in the placebo group. None of the women in the progesterone group needed uh, blood transfusions. None of them needed surgery. And 80% of them, more than 80% of them, had living babies wow. at the time of their post-study evaluation. So if you want to conclude from there's anything from their small numbers, you can make two conclusions. Reversal works, it does save <laughs> right. babies, and it's not dangerous. But then <laughs> yeah. there's, more, there's more to the not dangerous part. We've been using progesterone in high-risk pregnancies for decades. We Mm. use it for women who have had repeated miscarriages because they have a progesterone deficiency. We use it in women who have preterm labor. We use it in women whose cervix is getting too short early in the pregnancy. We we use progesterone all the time, and not just in high-risk pregnancy. Forms of progesterone are used, have been used in women's health for more than 60 or 70 years now. They're wow. used to treat menopausal women. They're used to, in hormonal birth control. I mean, there, there is an excellent safety record for the use of progesterone in women's health care, wow. obstetrics and gynecologic. So it's just, it's all smoke and mirrors to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, this isn't safe because right. what was safe was taking the Mifeprex in the first place. And the only way to reduce the lack of safety from taking the Mifeprex is to take progesterone afterwards. Right. Anything else, as the, the study produced by the American Association of Pro-Life OBGYNs shows, there really are dangers to it. Wow. So they're only calling the abortion reversal pill dangerous uh, and labeling progesterone something they've never called dangerous before, dangerous because it poses a financial threat to the abortion industry and their political goals, um, which is, of course, to ship the abortion pill all around the country without any in-person evaluations whatsoever and keep those pesky pro-lifers from presenting alternatives that would save babies and discourage the use of poisonous materials inside of your uterus. So I think that's overwhelmingly clear to all of us. Well, thank you, Dr. Brent. We're going to move over to this next slide next. Um, So people say, you know, well, abortion is sometimes necessary to save the mother's life. 
right? I get this one all the time. And this is such a common belief and statement that you hear people who even describe themselves as pro-life advocates use it. Uh, most recently, Lecrae. Now, now I'm not going to get into my rant against Lecrae, who was campaigning for pro-abortion politicians in Georgia to ensure that the Senate was split so that Kamala Harris would get the tie-breaking vote so that millions of more unborn children will be killed. But I've addressed that in previous episodes. But Lecrae calls himself a pro-life advocate. And he releases this video I think at the end of 2020, okay? And uh, it's like his thoughts on abortion, you know? And it, it, he's just ranting, clearly has no idea what he's talking about. And he shares a few different thoughts. His last one that he throws out just super nonchalantly, as if, as if he's thought deeply about it, was like, oh, uh, and we didn't even talk about how some women will die uh, if they don't get an abortion. And some women are in, in high risk pregnancies and their life will be threatened. So that's important too. And then he just drops it as if it's like, as if it's like so common, like we all know that. Like, you know, women are gonna die in high risk pregnancies if they don't get an abortion. It's such a repeated trope. And I, I get asked it all the time in churches and schools by people who say they're pro-life and they say, except in cases where the mother will die if the pregnancy continues. And so it's such a deeply held assumption across political aisles is that that's the only case we need it, but that assumes that you do need it <laughs> and that there's no other way to treat the mother's life-threatening condition without killing the baby. So help us think through this lie and myth, Dr. Brent, that, that abortion is necessary and we all ought to get on board with abortions if the pregnancy is threatening the mother's life. Absolutely. Um, but before talking about that, I want your reader, your listeners to understand one other thing. And I think I've heard you say this in prior episodes before. Um, you can easily ask one simple question of any pro-abortion advocate when they when they bring up the exclusion problem. You know, what about for the life of the mother? What about rape or incest? You look them in the eye and you say, okay, what if I give you abortions for rape, incest, and the life of the mother, will you agree with outlawing all other abortions? Right. That's they'll, right. They'll, they'll yep. quickly change the subject. So if they, when someone wants to bring up the, the issue of exclusions and hard situations with you, that's the way you come back at it to get to the truth of what their that's real right. intention and purpose is. Yeah. Well um, so let, let's talk about the life of the mother exception. So obstetricians end pregnancies all the time to save the life of the mother, to protect the health of the mother. We do it all the time. When a woman is premature and she's developed severe high blood pressure issues, we deliver the baby and ending the pregnancy cures her. When she goes into preterm labor, we allow the pregnancy to deliver. We take care of them. When they, their diabetes is out of control, or maybe they have epilepsy and they have worsening seizures, or um, perhaps they have lupus and they're in kidney failure. And there's all kinds of things we take care of uh, that you know, 50 and 60 years ago, we didn't know what to do with and didn't know how to take care of them. We take care of them. What do you do in those situations when the mother's life is in danger? You take care of her. It's that simple. And right. if you have, a, if lady, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you have a complicated pregnancy and you're going to a doctor for whom the easiest and fastest and first recommendation they have is for you to have an abortion for your problem, you go find yourself another obstetrician. You find Amen. somebody who will love both of you and who will fight for both of you uh, because abortion may be the easy way out and the way to make a quick buck for the doctor that tells you that's your best option, but it is rarely the case. Wow. So you mentioned you mentioned that I've been doing this for a long time. The first baby that I ever delivered is was 30 years old last month. So that's how long I've been since right. I did my first delivery in medical school. Uh, been a physician for 28 years now. How many times have I had to deliver a pregnancy that was so early the child had no chance of survival or know that the mother was going to die if I didn't do that. How many times? One, wow. Almost 30 years, one time. Mm. And she was a young woman at um, only 21 or 22 weeks, had developed an extremely unusual, very severe case of high blood pressure that had put her in heart failure and kidney failure. And wow. her blood could no longer clot. And I mean, she was actively dying. Right. Uh, 
And even then, we didn't put her through a procedure that put her at extra risk. Her platelet count, platelets are something that helps blood clot. So if you have a surgical wound or an incision or a problem, you need your platelets to stop the bleeding. Normal level is about 150. Hers were 20. What would I have been doing if I had gone in and done a DNC and stretched her cervix open and pulled the baby out in pieces? She would have bled to death because of her low platelets. Wow. What we did was to induce labor with some very strong medications. Sadly, the child did not survive the labor process and was born intact, but born naturally, vaginally intact. Um, And the woman recovered. And she has, through a contact I had through a family member, um, she's since had three or four more children and had no problems and no complications. But doing a procedure on her to end that pregnancy that would have been done the way abortionists do procedures would have killed her. Yeah. Anything, any procedure on a critically ill woman that doesn't need to be done only adds to her risk. If a woman's life is in danger, deliver the baby the most safe way possible. The only purpose of a late-term abortion is to ensure that the baby is fully dead before it's fully delivered. That's the only purpose of late-term abortion because good obstetrics allows you to end a pregnancy in a way that's safe for the mother and as safe as possible for the child. That's right. That's, that's where the, that's where save the life of the mother as, you know, as if women are going to die by the thousands because they can't get good obstetric care. That's just simply another lie. Wow. So you're saying even in the highest risk pregnancies, um, the solution is not to kill the baby through an abortion. You can just deliver the baby early through a cesarean section or through inducing early labor. And then on top of that, that that's actually safer for the mother than an abortion. Yes. Okay. And it's safer for the mother because that occurs in the setting of a hospital, which has right. you know a blood bank and has a lab and has an intensive care unit and has other physicians if she develops a heart problem and you need a cardiologist to help you, or she develops a lung problem and you need a pulmonologist to help you. You have all those things in a hospital when you're providing good obstetric care. How many abortion clinics have an intensive care unit and have cardiologists and pulmonologists on call and have blood banks? If the woman is sick and she's in risk of dying, she doesn't need um, Dr. Leroy Carhart to pull her baby out in pieces in his office and send her home the same day. She needs a hospital with a good obstetrician. Excellent. So what if if someone tells you, Dr. Brent, that, uh, well, you know, but ectopic pregnancies. So see, you have to perform an abortion abortion doctor because uh, otherwise mom will die. So see, you are on board with abortions to save the mother's life. How do you respond to that? It's not an abortion to treat an ectopic pregnancy, which has no chance of producing a living child, and in most cases, if untreated, will kill the mother. You yeah. simply have to, it's, it's a pregnancy that tragically implanted in the wrong place, and it cannot live, and it cannot grow, and if you do not remove it, the mother's life is at risk. That's not an abortion. Yeah. That's good GYN care. Yeah. That's right. Period. Because the, the intent I, is different. Yes, the intent right. is different. It's The intent is not, you don't take her in there and take out her fallopian tube or take out a part of her fallopian tube with the pregnancy because you want to kill the baby. You go That's in there right. and do it because you need to save her life. And I couldn't That's tell right. you how many times I've done that. And I don't lose any sleep for doing it because yeah. there is no choice. That yeah. is not an abortion. Because if you don't, you lose two lives. That's right. Yes. You're going to lose one because the baby cannot live. And if you don't do something, you will lose the other one. That's That's not an abortion. Yeah. Excellent. Well said. Thank you, Dr. Brent. Um, We're going to get to one other lie here with Dr. Brent uh, just shortly. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars and the pro-life movement, then consider becoming a patron of the show. Go go on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted. And uh, look at our fun tiers and perks there. You'll see a lot of uh, fun content we have there for you. Perks that you'll get, access to me, uh, small group, uh, digital small groups, a Facebook group. You can request I do a video response to a certain topic. 
other fun things there for you as well. And you help us increase the production value of the show. We will be moving to two episodes a week very shortly, as well as uh, creating conversational content on the streets and the public square, putting the ideas that we talk about in this show in a conversational format uh, to change minds and change hearts on the new digital marketplace of ideas online. So become a patron of the show. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash unaborted, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to the show, guys. Thank you for staying tuned with our conversation with Dr. Brent Bowles, an incredible uh, OBGYN physician and pro-life um, advocate. We're going to get to one other lie here with our time left, uh, Dr. Brent. And this one we hear leading up to every um, election cycle. We heard it. I was getting tons of messages right before the election. I always get it. It's saying, hey, Seth, did you see this study that Democratic policies actually decrease abortions um, far more than Republican policies. And so because we want to save as many babies as possible, Dr. Brent, um, we actually should vote blue. We should vote for the Democratic Party because you see their policies address the underlying causes of what allows abortion to thrive in the first place. And so we're attacking the root cause. Don't you want to get to the status and the heart of the matter, Dr. Brent? This will save babies. So vote for Democrats because their policies are more life-saving. Um, how, how do we begin thinking through the, this sort of myth and lie? Well, I had to think through that. Uh, because the first time I heard that argument was during the lead up to this past election. And there are people that I you know, know and care for deeply who promoted that view. Um, and I was just so disappointed at the short-sightedness that people have when they look at that. So here's, here's a truth bomb, if you want it. When... The abortion industry says anything that's anything at all that is true, you need to look at the whole context. You need to look at every other piece of information that comes with it. So what they said, that under Democratic presidents, the number of abortions done annually has steadily declined. That is true. But it is not the whole truth and is not the nothing but the truth. No. Uh, there is so much more to that picture than right. just that one simple statement, one statistic cherry-picked and not shown in its complete context. Right. It, you also have to understand you know, why that was happening to understand the whole picture. So the history right. of it is abortion becomes legal in all 50 states by Supreme Court fiat in 1973, forced down our throats in an unconstitutional Supreme Court decision. That was the worst Supreme Court decision in history, uh, comparable to the Dred Scott decision in 1857 yeah. that said that black people weren't people and could be treated like property. Roe versus Wade says unborn people aren't people and can be treated like property. So they're, they're the same kind of decisions, right. bigoted against yeah. a human being because of immutable characteristics that okay. cannot be helped by that human being. The unborn yeah. baby can't help it that it's small. A black person can't help it that they were born black. Yeah. You know, but those two Supreme Court decisions discriminate against them. So that, that's what happened in 1973. So abortions became legal in all 50 states. And of course, the number skyrocketed. Of course, yeah, it went up. Uh, and that was during, you know, the administration of, I think, Gerald Ford was president by then. I don't remember exactly when Richard Nixon was forced to resign. Um, that's Incidentally, that's the first major news story I remember from my childhood was the Nixon resignation. So, right. um, so then Gerald Ford was president. He lost when he ran against Jimmy Carter. Abortions peaked during the administration of Jimmy Carter. Right. Still, still very recent on the heels of Roe versus Wade. Right. So it took. And that, that's something the abortion advocates always leave out. They, when yes. they say abortions have been decreasing under Democratic administrations, they never talk about how it spiked and increased massively under Jimmy Carter, yes. who was a Democrat. Yes, and that, that was happening because all of a sudden it's legal, so everybody can get in on the game and everybody can profit from it if they want to do it. So right. abortion clinics sprung up all over the place. And they were unregulated. Right. Um, so that's when abortions peaked. But then every 
administration since then, not just the Democrats, not just yeah. not just Clinton and Obama, but every administration. Reagan, first Bush, Clinton, second Bush, Obama, Trump. Right. Steady decrease. Steady right. decrease in the number of abortions performed. And I believe there are two reasons. One, the conscience of the nation hmm. was ignited when ultrasounds became widely available. Right. Who out today? You're a young father, Seth. You've got two little kids, one brand yeah. newborn. Yep. One of your most precious memories are the first times you saw each of them on ultrasound when they were a little bitty. That's right. You know, no bigger than a peanut. Yeah. And everybody out there has seen those pictures and the That's undeniable right. humanity. So right. for many people in America, the progression from 1973 to 2021 is that abortion is no longer even thinkable because right. they believe what they see. That's right. They believe what they see. So that's one reason that abortion numbers have been steadily decreasing. Right. And the other major reason that abortion clinic or that abortion numbers have decreased is that there are more people out there in the profession, either their their vocation or their volunteer time, who are working to be sure that women know the truth, that men and women who are facing an unplanned pregnancy know that they have options and they know that right. they they can see the baby, they can they can know the truth from somebody who's going to tell them the unvarnished truth. And those that doesn't happen in abortion clinics, right? Where they're where the the sales pitch is is worse than a bad used car salesman. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens in pro-life pregnancy centers. And right. the number of those centers has just the proliferation of those centers has exploded during this period of time where the left claims that the decline in abortion is due to democratic policies. No. From 1988 2016, if I remember the statistics correctly, there was an 81% increase in the number of pro-life pregnancy centers across the country, most of which wow. offer free ultrasounds to women so that they can show them what the wow. pregnancy looks like. Wow. That, Those are the reasons the numbers have been declining, right. not because of the policies of Democratic presidents. Right. Now, they like to point to the Affordable Care Act as providing birth control that, you know, all these... Right. No, mean old white men on the right are against. Well, we're not right. against. It. Well, that's, yeah, so that's a big talking point, right? They, they say that um, the reason why abortion has been decreasing is thanks to Democrats, because Democrats, unlike you, you white, ugly Republicans, they support increased access to birth control and contraceptives. And so that's why the abortion rate has decreased. And, and so, so they'll say, you're raising more awareness, you're helping people prevent unplanned pregnancies, and therefore you have less abortions. Um, how do we think through that? Do you think that that's actually why the abortion rate has decreased? No, it's not. Even prior to the Affordable Care Act that was passed in 2010, began to be fully implemented in 2014, long before that, Access to affordable contraception was so amazingly good. There are yeah. over 20,000 federally qualified health centers across the country where a woman who doesn't have insurance uh, and can't afford it can go and get free birth control pills. And that doesn't include the county health departments in virtually every county of every state across the nation. Right. So access to birth control was, was better in you know the 1990s and the 2000s than it's ever been in the history of the world. Uh, I mean, it just it. So you could get it at the health department. You could get it at a federally qualified health center. If you had did have a doctor that you saw that would prescribe, um, there were generic birth control pills available for less than 10 bucks a month. Wow. Um, so access to contraception improved a little bit after the Affordable Care Act went through, but that's not what's been responsible for the right. decline in abortions. That decline began in 1980. Wow. You know, during the administration of Ronald Reagan. Right. 30 years before the Affordable Care Act passed. Right, right, and that right. was the first real democratic policy yeah. that had an impact on contraception. So wow. no, you it's disingenuous to claim 
that yeah. that um, it's disingenuous to repeat it when you don't know the full facts and just repeat right, right. it like a parrot. It's an outright lie to yeah. just promote it when you know better and when you yeah. know the truth. But that's, that's what we see from the other side. So yeah. no, I, I do not buy. And, and then when you look at not just what they say, but what they do, right. when a democratic administration reinstates American funding for abortions around the world Right. So that the tens yep. of millions of abortions that are performed internationally are many of them are subsidized by American dollars. When you restore funding, you know, that was cut from abortion clinics that refuse to separate their abortion industry from their birth control right. programs. Under Title when 10, you yeah. restore that, you're not trying to decrease it, you're trying to increase it. Right. Yeah, it's when, obvious. When you want like, to pass laws to strengthen Roe, you're not trying to decrease abortions, you're trying to increase right. it. And that's it's right. just mind-numbingly stupid. Yeah, that's right. That's well said. To sit there in light of these facts and continue yeah. to say Democrats That's do right. a better job. Decreasing. And I, I would remind those of you who are pro-life who are listening to this as well, I think this is an important point. Aristotle taught us that statecraft is soulcraft, right? And what he meant by that was the government through its policies and laws um, teach they're communicating moral lessons. So by, by relegating um, abortion to the realm of legal, we're actually communicating to the American public that this thing is moral, that this thing is okay. So law functions as a teacher. So you cannot restore a, a dignified view of the unborn. You cannot restore the dignity to the unborn child within the minds of the American public by voting for a party whose platform includes the necessary dehumanization of the unborn child because they call it reproductive health care, women's rights, reproductive justice. That type of bigoted language assumes that the unborn is less than, is not a full person. So how many generations of young people have been born into a country that told them from the moment they were a young child that abortion is women's equality, reproductive health care, it's justice. Well, you can only accept that view of abortion by firstly assuming that the unborn child is not deserving of full personhood and equal rights. So law functions as a teacher. So if you want to decrease abortions, and, you say, and I had friends tell me this that I went to college with. <laughs> they said, hey, check out pro-life evangelicals for Biden, Dr. Brent. Uh, they're supporting Biden because they're pro-life, because those policies address the underlying causes of abortion. That means more babies saved. So that's why I'm voting Democrat. All you're doing is you're further entrenching fetal bigotry in the culture by accepting a premise that it's somehow okay to legalize the slaughter of innocent human beings. And I'll also add this, and we'll, we'll close up with this, a very similar argument was actually made during the debates over slavery. So defenders of slavery would actually argue that the states who were favoring abolition, you know those uh, pesky Republican states, <laughs> the states that favored abolition tended to have greater rates and instances of racial prejudices against black Americans. So Democrats who were for slavery would actually argue, um, you know, these states that are um, freeing the slaves and being anti-slavery, they're actually creating more racial tension in their state because those plantation owners are very accustomed to treating human beings like property. And so you're having increased cases of racial violence and racist, violent attacks against black Americans. So listen, you, you silly GOP abolitionists, if you cared about the slave, who you say is a black image bearer, you would vote for the Democratic Party, the party of slavery, because we'll have less cases of racial bigotry and violence. And isn't that what you want? Decrease race, rates of violence against black Americans? So this type of argument is nothing new, pro-lifer, and you need to be aware of yes. that. It's just a political cudgel that's being used to either silence you or to siphon votes away from the Republican Party, the only party reasonably situated to protect the only class of human beings that it's legal to kill, preborn children. So, uh, Dr. Brent, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you have any closing thoughts uh, for us or for our listeners at this sort of politically propitious moment? Well, just, just to expand on what you were just saying, that uh, the law is a teacher. Just because something is legal doesn't make it right. Slavery was legal. It was legal to refuse to allow women to vote and only allow men to vote. Hmm. Child labor was legal. Segregation was legal. There are so many things that were legal but wrong, and right. we have righted those wrongs. Right. Just because abortion is legal doesn't make it right, and it doesn't make it moral. Right. Yep. Amen. 
and, and laws that say that you can intentionally kill innocent human beings created in the image of God are scandalous and ought to be done away with. And you cannot do that by voting for the very party whose platform says we are committed to protecting abortion through point of birth. Well, these are the, the primary lies I wanted to go through with you guys. I, think, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, debunking these lies that you hear all the time, that abortion is safer than childbirth, that democratic policies decrease abortions, and so therefore pro-lifers should vote for Democrats, and that sometimes abortion is necessary to save the mother's life, and so real pro-lifers need to support abortion in those cases. Dr. Brent Bowles, you've provided incredible clarity for us. Thank you for your work. Thank you for actually saving and delivering babies. Thank you for your voice for life and for continuing to contend in the political sphere and in the medical sphere. We're so grateful for you, uh, and we'll have you back on the show soon. I look forward to it, Seth. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Give the show a rating and review. Follow Dr. Brent Bowles on Facebook. He has incredible uh, insights and commentary on what's happening in our country. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter, to see my speaking schedule if you want to come hear me speak live and local, and to learn more. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. We'll